This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset College! Underdog! Exclamation point! Pop the brakes! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We've got another night game. It's a home conference night game. Yeah, it is. Those the are, first of back-to-back. Seeing one in the wild is pretty rare. And then, yeah, we get another one next week. That's <laughs> How about that? It's uh, It's been at least 2019, I know for sure. And that was the Ohio State game, the game day game. Mm-hmm. that did not end so well for Nebraska. That was a, was a big blowout loss. Before that... I don't know. I haven't. 2017. 2017. Yeah. So this is well, just so, the second conference home night game in the Scott Frost era. Um, yes. And if you're looking at it, Scott Frost is one and one at home in night games. The other one was that Northern Illinois game. Yeah. Um, the last time Nebraska had three home ga- or three night games in a row was 2019. To get to four in a row, you got to go to 2017. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know ne- or, uh, the Minnesota games kickoff time. You could get four. Let's just go four for four. You could finish, get four. Finish this out to the bye week strong. <laughs> Might as well. We've got a busy show. There is uh, plenty of Husker football talk, obviously. We, we, have, uh, we have some thoughts on how things are going in Husker Nation. Nebraska's 2-3. and three. Basically two plays away from being 2-0 and oh in the Big Ten. Instead, they're 0-2 in the Big Ten. Uh, and they're looking for the first conference win of the season tonight against Northwestern. Volleyball, the queen is back. Yes, she. Oh my goodness! And that was that was a a pretty big beat down to to behold. Right. So I went to um, Husker Hoops opening night last night, and on the way, like I had peeked at my phone and I saw um, Hale Varsity's Jacob Padilla was tweeting. He's like, "Hey, she's warming up. Uh, she's in uniform, but there's no real expectation for her to play because." She had just started practicing earlier this week right. on the court with everyone. So I'm like, okay, cool. Get get her some uh get her through the warm ups and you kind of just slowly work her way in. Then all of a sudden I see the the tweet from Nebraska volleyball. She's on the front of the graphic. The starting lineup tweet. She's starting, and I went, wait a minute. How pumped is this place going to be? And KLIN <laughs> carried the game last night. So I'm listening on my way to uh Pinnacle Bank Arena. That place sounded nuts. Just insane. Standing ovation as soon as uh, Stiverns gets her first kill. Mm-hmm. She hit 733. 11 for 15. Uh, 11 kills, hit 733. That's a stupid number. Yeah. If you're playing West, West Kentucky Tech <laughs> Institute of whatever, that's really good if you're doing it against a Big Ten competition. That took, uh, was it Wisconsin that they took five or Minnesota that they took five? They took one of the top teams of the conference, five, just like a week ago. <laughs> okay, Nebraska volleyball's back. Mm-hmm. Apparently all you need is your three-time All-American in the middle. They got a little uh, mid-season trade. Oh, my, right? Yeah, acquisition there. So that's that's <laughs> nice. Pick, pick Stiverns up off waivers. Yeah, you know. So So that's pretty cool. 
Husker Volleyball uh, just destroyed Michigan. They didn't get 15 points in any one of those three sets. Uh, we're definitely going to hear more about Nebraska basketball opening night from sports director Caleb Henry over there. because That was exciting. I am a little jelly that I was not in attendance after watching all of the uh, shenanigans go down. That was so much fun. By the way, Michigan took Minnesota five Minnesota. sets, lost 15-11 in the fifth. There you go. Didn't couldn't quite this conference is stupid. Couldn't quite get the Maryland Wisconsin upset all the way finished off. Right, uh, but no o- opening night so much fun. Can't wait to dive into that because um, first of all, the introductions are they've got to be great for the players. Yeah. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, but I'm sitting there as getting closer to being a middle aged man and just being like, you guys look like you're having fun. I guess like. You guys come out and you dance a little bit when uh, <laughs> when you're introdu- introduced, and then you guys go hang out. Let's get to the scrimmage. Is that Let's what your go. inner monologue sounds like? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh that, that was my my inner monologue was just like, all right, cool. This is great for the kids. The kids look like they're having a good time. Uh, good. You're only like 32. Come on, man. I have I have hit. Uh, I'm I'm well into being part of the olds. Mm. I'm well into the olds. I guess. That makes me an old, so welcome. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> didn't really think I was going to admit that this morning, but then again, I'm going to have to ask you to sit down, please. Can then you again, sit, sit down in front. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll get out of your way. Didn't didn't think I'd be admitting that, and also didn't think that I would see what happened last Saturday in that oh. Nebraska's defense was just shutting Michigan State down in such a way that. It would not have been out of place to see that defense playing a game in 2009, I dare say. 14 yards on 15 plays is what they gave up. Mm-hmm. Literally five three and outs were Michigan State's second half possessions. And yet. And yet. And yet. Nebraska manages to have it all washed away with a little, little bit below average offense and literally bottom of the barrel special teams uh just a waste of a defensive gem uh and and even even into overtime you had nebraska stuffing michigan state on those two uh goal to go plays before they did kick the field goal because they wanted to punch it in kenneth walker with his only big play of maybe the game depending on how you define a big play he had nothing in the second half it was his most important play Right, and it, it was, was his longest run, and it wasn't a standard running back handoff. It was a wildcat run, and and he got down inside the five, and well, that was all they needed about to it, kick uh, the game winner. Other than those twenty three yards, he he would have ended up with fifty one. Yeah, like fifty one in regulation. Granted, seventy four yards is like that's okay. It's a pedestrian performance. Like for for most, you look at most teams, you want to get a running back over a hundred, but if they get to seventy four and they were efficient with their runs, okay, you, you take that. Guys, this was the best running back in the conference after uh, Mo Ibrahim went out. He was averaging eight and a half yards per carry. <laughs> eight and a half yards per carry. It would have taken him, what, quick math, like nine carries to get to his total? Yeah. Instead, he had to get that, that carry in the second half. Look, the way that Nebraska performed in that game on defense, it makes you, it makes you really excited about what the rest of the season could bring because they are that legit on defense. Mm -hmm. But man, just not knowing what you're going to get from the offense from drive to drive uh, and their inconsistency 
Uh, and, and then more importantly, just being absolutely terrified of what could happen and what will happen on special teams. It, it, it makes for a pretty toxic combination. Uh, you, you hope that this sort of thing isn't driving a wedge between guys in the locker room. You hope it's not, you know, becoming an issue with like the, Hey, the defensive coaches kind of looking with disdain upon the offensive coaches. I don't think it is that, I, I, because granted, granted it could be just what guys are saying during the week, but Constantly, the defensive guys just kept saying, we just need to bring those guys along. There's finger pointing's not going to fix anything. Chenander says that as well. Yeah. Um, all the offensive guys keep saying, as the offensive guys, we need to play better. So it looks like there's, there's camaraderie there that they recognize what their errors are. They're able to look in the mirror and say, this is what has to happen. If you're on the offense, they're looking at the de- defense and saying, Thank goodness we've got you guys keeping us in games. Right. We need to hold up our end. That's the way it looks like, uh, at least from listening throughout the week to these guys. And this is a bunch of genuine young men. They're not gonna. They're there. You are gonna get some of the the coach speak as soon as you hear uh, Ty Robinson say, "Yeah, like uh, Coach Chin says, it's a nameless, faceless opponent." I'm like, "No, you guys know when it's a better opponent." Mm. Like I completely get that, but when they talk about themselves as a team, I believe them. Yeah, it, they're saying the right things, and that's good, and you hope that it's not causing issues like that. But if it can, conti- like, this is a game that Nebraska has to win today because there are only a couple of games on the schedule where Nebraska is going to be favored. This is one of them, and they're favored by more than a touchdown. Right. It was 11.5 when I looked yesterday. And that climbed from, I think, the opening line around 8. And so, so this is, Nebraska is a heavy favorite today. As heavy a favorite as they'll be all year, maybe Purdue it's eleven and a half a right more. now. So you got to start there. You got to start somewhere. You got to get a feel good win. Maybe it's by a couple of scores. Maybe they actually cover the spread. They've they've been covering in these games where they've been a, a, a pretty decent underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in the end, you're you're going to have to get this game and the Purdue game and the Minnesota game, and then you're going to have to steal one against a team where you're going to be a heavy underdog. Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Iowa. One of those games is going to have to end up in the win column if you want to make a bowl game. Mm -hmm. So you got to start here. And we just, just to, just to kind of get this transition into a bigger picture discussion, because that's kind of what we do here with one hour per week. If if you evaluate this season from this point on, don't do it by saying, okay, this is Scott Frost's fourth year. He's had this, he's had that, he's had the whatever. Evaluate it like this. If this guy coaching this team had just pick a, any name out of a barrel, right? Just pick any random name. Or even if you want to put a name on it, Call him Riley or Callahan, just for fun. No reason I picked those names. What would you think of a coach at 14 and 23 over three and a half years of their tenure? The, the, former, the former Husker effect and the former national championship quarterback effect playing for Tom Osborne's last team, that has given him quite a bit of grace. Not, I mean, for good reason, too, because he knows what to do. He's done it before on the field, and he's 
been a pretty good coach everywhere, all all things considered. Mm-hmm. But I I really do wonder if this season ends up as a five and seven finish, and you don't make a bowl game, and Trev Alberts is evaluating things at the end of his fourth season. What do you do with Scott Frost? I know that the the main voice on this radio station has uh, he wants absolutely nothing to do with the coaching change. Nor necessarily do do you or I. I mean, we're mm-hmm. not advocating for one direction or the other. There's seven games yet to be played, but I feel like if you are if you are wanting to take this as an honest discussion, an honest evaluation of where this program is and what the trajectory is once the season's over, I don't think you can do it and 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 be fair to the whole program if you're just going to consider it from a perspective of, hey, this is Scott Frost. You have to look at it a little bit more dispassionately because if you don't think he's going to get it done, there's no sense in waiting for another season to see if he can get it done just because of the name he's got and the history he's got with the program. You have to, you have to keep, you have to steer this program in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And if ultimately the decision is made that he's not going to do it, I think that is the decision that needs to be made. His name set aside. Yeah. It's so here's where I'm at on that is that's a conversation between Frost and Trev Alberts. And honestly, the, the rest of us can offer up suggestions, but if Trev believes in Scott that he can get it done, Scott could probably lose out the rest of the year if things look good. But here's the thing. Right. I, I think from an outsider looking in inside, uh, into the athletic department, if Nebraska gets to four wins, Frost is super safe. Super safe because of the way a couple of the losses have gone. You want to get to six. You want to get to a bowl game. I don't think Frost is in jeopardy. Honestly, un- unless he loses out, that that might be a conversation to be had at that point. But four, you think four and eight, he'd still be okay? Yes, I do, because he gets a in right or wrong, Frost gets a longer leash because of who he is. Right or wrong, that's just the way it is. Okay. Um, and you've had a COVID year mess up things, and I I, I want coaching staffs. If you believe that they can go in and make change, they got to have six years. To me, you got to have six years because you got to have your four years of your recruiting guys. You're probably going to blow a year on redshirting guys. And I want you to be able to go through and graduate some guys that were able to be leaders to the next class of incoming freshmen. I want six years for a coach. We're in year four, including a COVID year. Now, have things gone great? No. Are we seeing other programs turn things around faster? Yes. Mel Tucker, he hit a better situation with Michigan State than than Frost did coming here. But I think when you add in... The fact that it's Frost, and like I said, right or wrong, that's just the situation. He's going to carry some name weight in this city and in this state. And I wanted him to get like one to two more years after this anyway. We had a seven-year deal and nobody batted an eye when he was hired. Right, right, right. But nobody thought they were going to go three seasons without a bowl game and and be staring down the barrel of four seasons without a bowl game no. year too. No, but... I do think you you have to see the other thing is you have to see improvement in some places places that you haven't seen improvement and that that's one of the things that does Trev trust Scott to get things turned around mm-hmm. right now publicly yes that's the case what are those conversations behind closed doors if the rest of the season continues to not go well 
Yeah, those are those are discussions that will be had, of course, and and like you said, it's 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 going to be a, a conversation between Trev Alberts and Scott Frost. And just and go win the games and don't even have the conversation. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> That'd be great. And look, we talk about I, I talk about how you need to take the name out of it when evaluating Scott Frost, and you say he's going to get more leeway because of the name. Think about his AD. His AD's got some name clout too, mm-hmm. but he also hasn't had a track record of of failure. Let's say, mm-hmm. like Scott Frost has had through through three and a half seasons, so it, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And obviously, that's a, a big picture conversation that will continue uh, and will ultimately happen at the end of the year. All right, plenty more to come. We've got some solutions to some of Nebraska football's biggest problems. Uh, we'll discuss that. Plenty of volleyball, Husker hoops, and Josh Banderas, former Husker linebacker, top twenty tackler in Husker history. Uh, He's going to join us next to discuss what the heck is going on with this program right now. That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning, Nebraska and Northwestern homecoming tonight, 6.30 kickoff, so it's a 2.30 pregame right here on 1499.3 FM, KLIN. And joining us now on KLIN, a one-time, I don't know, basically co-host of this show, former Husker, one of the top 20 tacklers in Husker history, Josh Banderas joining us on the program. Josh, how's it going this morning? Oh, it's good. Cole's good to be back, too. Yeah, man. Oh, man. It's been a while since we got to talk, so... It's good that it's uh, also in the season. Last time, or a lot of the show last time, we were we were in the off season, and it was a uh, always tough finding stuff to talk about late in the off season. Oh yes, you're you're telling me, hey, uh, well, that's only because you guys were talking not the last two off seasons. Last two off yeah. seasons, we had no problem filling that's, stuff. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. But, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. Hey, before we get into what Nebraska has got going on this year, uh, update everybody on on what you're doing. Where Where are you at right now, Josh? I'm in Corvallis. So I came. I played in the in the spring league in the summer down in Texas, and then uh, that kind of you know it went it went good and everything, and and then I just decided it was kind of time to move on to the next phase in life. So I'm got a hold of Trent Bray, who was my linebacker coach uh, for two years at Nebraska, and he's out at Oregon State. So now I'm out here kind of being a grad assistant and helping out with the linebackers, man. So I'm, I'm in the coaching world now. I'm on the other side of the whistle. All right. Well, Coach Bando joining us here on the, the K-Line Husker Hour. Uh, let, let's dive into what's going on with Nebraska here. Uh, f- first off, I would assume you probably played a little bit of special teams in your time here at Nebraska. Am I right? Oh yeah. <laughs> what is going on with special teams? How how for let's look at it from this standpoint. When you were here, what was the level of involvement with a head coach, uh, an assistant coach, who was assigned to do what? How much time do you feel like you spent? Also, you spanned a couple of different coaching staffs. What were some differences and and overall, I mean, how do you think the product was and and how much do you think that was uh, stemming from how you spent the time in practice. G- give me a little rundown on all that. Man, yeah. So I've I've kind of had the full gauntlet of special teams actions. My first year, it was it was Ro- Rossells was my special teams coordinator under Polini, uh, and so the first year, normal 
uh, rostered everything. And then, you know, when it was time to practice, he kind of split up uh, everything the individual coaches told. When it was punt team, uh, maybe the D-line coach would watch uh, the front the front five on punt team, and then you had the cornerbacks coach with the gunners, and then you had the receivers coach with the, um, you know, the returners. So that went fine. We were okay on special teams, nothing special. But then the next year, Bo took over as kind of the overseer of special teams, and um, because he put an extra emphasis em- emphasis on it, we spent more time on it in practice, and it was more of a this is very important for the team. And then the next year and that year, you know, DPE, that was his first year Mm -hmm. where he, you know, took the world by storm. So whether DPE was just really good at being a returner, which he is plus the fact that Bo put a massive emphasis on special teams. And then next year we had Bruce Reed come in and he, he kind of ran anything and divvied it up. But, and then, you know, it's really on the head coach. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I've had the special teams, I've had it divvied up, but the only time it really was different is when the head coach took an extreme interest in it. Because otherwise, there's no time in practice that, you know, it's like, let's focus on O&D, and here's five and special teams. The same thing with meetings. So let's have these long O&D meetings, and then here's 20 minutes of special teams. So, so I don't know yeah. what the structure is down there. But if the head coach is not intensely involved in special teams, I've I've seen that it kind of falls to the wayside. Yeah, and and Scott Frost has talked a little bit this week about how there's been more discussion about it. There's been more emphasis about it. Mike Dawson kind of said that there was a you know meeting that he held. I'm sure Frost was was a part of that or spurred that or required that. But I guess. If if you have some sort of issue like this in the middle of a season, uh, knowing how difficult it is to to get everything lined up and get a game plan going and prepare for the next opponent, do you think there's a way to turn that around mid season? If there's already been commitments of time made in terms of practice time, meeting time already laid out by a head coach, yeah, it can definitely it can change. The format can change. I mean, it's it's very fluid, and you know, it's not going to alter the routine very much at all because I mean practice practice is practice, meetings is meetings. You just have to allocate some more time to one or the other. But uh I think though the only way it can change mid season after not having the full fall fall camp and the full four games that we've or five games or whatever that we've had already, uh the only way to truly get a change is to put different personnel in there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe throw some more starters in there. Unfortunately that puts more wear and tear on them and and it's a long season, and we're already kind of banged up a little bit in some areas. So it's a, it's definitely touchy, but um, I mean, it's just it's just little things like like the punt return. That was wasn't like we had bad players. It's not like we had bad scheme. It's just simply the guys weren't detailed on that play to know how to find out which returner it was kicked to. And also, I think the punter has to obviously punt it where the direction is supposed <laughs> to go. But still, things happen in the game, and players have to know how to adjust. So it's more of the detail if they were coached on the detail of that specific situation. Now, Josh, you were on special teams, also as a captain, and running all over the place, making tackles from your linebacker spot. How much of that conversation, because you talk a little bit about maybe putting some more starters on special teams, how much was that a conversation with you guys as players? It, 
is it even a conversation to the coaches to say, "Hey, you're on the uh, you're on this coverage team," or do you guys go in and say, "No, I want to impact the game more. I want to be on special teams." What what are those conversations like? So usually the players don't get into or you know go ask unless maybe they have they're not getting as as many reps as they want on defense. Like my junior, I was in a rotation with with Chris Weber, and I was like, I. I, I can just do more in this game. So I went in and I'm like, Hey, I need to be on more special teams. Um, so in that case, yeah, but yeah, most of the time, if you've got a starter, um, you know, let's just say like a Luke Reimer, who's already playing every snap in the game, <laughs> he's not going to go in there and say, Hey, I'm exhausted, but let's do some more. Yeah. You, you know, so it's, it's not like they're going to go in and ask, but for the most part, all these guys, they, they want to win. They want to do whatever's necessary to win. So, if a coach asks them to be on special teams, they're gonna they're gonna be all for it. They're gonna go do it. They're competitors. It's just and they they've got to be careful because there's there's only so much workload these kids can handle before their bodies start breaking down. Obviously, so like I said, it's a it's a very very fine balance on what you can ask some of these guys to do. All right, so away from special teams, looking at at these linebackers, how. What has been your impression of them? Well, I was just going to say, how impressed are you with them? But I'll, I'll leave it open for you to be impressed or not impressed uh, with the guys like uh, like Reimer and Nick Henrich and um, what we're seeing from Garrett Nelson, uh, his development as a second-year guy. What, what what have been your impressions of this linebacker group? Man, Luke and, uh, Luke and Garrett especially, I've been super happy with, with seeing them develop for the last couple of years. Just just because when they first got out there, good seeing them out there. They were young, but both of them maybe didn't have the the full understanding of the playbook and you know full understanding of the technique they should be using. And now to see them grow and to be flying around out there and and in the spot more times than not that they're supposed to be, it's really cool to see that. And Luke obviously is, you know, I've. I've been high on him since he got there. Not biased at all because he was at North Star. <laughs> but yeah, man, he's he's flying around. He's doing good things. If he can just continue to stay healthy, I mean, uh, the sky's the limit for him, and uh, he's going to be a good backer for the next for the next couple of years for us. And that defense is just—it's fun to watch, man. I mean, you guys see it—they're they're flying around and they're they're celebrating after plays. I mean, even. You know, mid-game, usually when you're the most tired, it's a longer drive. They still get a tackle for maybe just even a two-yard loss. And they're, you know, Garrett's jumping around and flexing. And it's fun to watch, man. They're out there having fun and, and doing well. Josh Banderas joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour, uh, top 20 tackler in Husker history, currently a grad assistant uh, helping out Oregon State out on the West Coast. Uh, what, one of the things that I'm a little concerned about, I don't know if it's unfounded, but when you have such a disparity between one side of the ball and the other or one phase of the game with another, there there may be a tendency to, to kind of look across the room, look across the practice field and be like, man, what are you guys doing? We're doing all this work. You're letting us down. I don't know if you've been on that side of a, a, a wide, that wide a disparity like there was in, in that Michigan State game where one side of the ball just is carrying the other team, the other side's not doing their job. Uh, what... What is that like if you have seen that, and, and how do you prevent it from becoming some sort of issue, especially from your perspective as a guy who's been a captain before and is trying to keep that locker room from doing something like that? Yeah, no, I mean, usually it's going to come down to 
if you have that one guy on the on like the good side of the ball. So the defense right now, if you've got that one guy who's kind of a knucklehead, you know, he's going to say anything. Usually it's going to be a DB. <laughs> Right, or 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 D lineman <laughs> if you've got a if you've got a guy, you know. But no, they're going the. But I don't think that this group, especially you know, the DBs are a little bit older. Um, mm. I don't think they're gonna say anything to the offense or have anything to hurt like that. Because yeah, that that would start a definite tear. Mm. And, because most offensive, most people on offense would be like, no, it's not all. You know, it's, it's not me. Look what you guys did. You guys let up. You know, however many points when the everybody, especially on defense, like no, 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 we did good, but uh, yeah. So, so mostly what the defense is going to be doing is they're going to stay in their circle. They're not going to say anything bad about the offense. They're going to say, hey, we're going to win this game. Right? No, I mean we're the ones that are going to have to get this thing done. We can't rely on anybody else. We can't rely on the rest on special teams on offense, and we shouldn't rely on them because it's us. We're a great group. We're going to do this thing. And if, if we can hold them to, to low points, then, you know, then we're going to have the best possible chance, but it's on us. All right, Josh, I, we've asked you about special teams. We've asked about defense from, from the defensive side of the ball, looking at Nebraska's offense, how would you game plan for Nebraska's offense? What would be some places that would give you fits, make you a little bit worried, but where would be definite places that you want to attack this offense that we've seen through five games? Man, honestly, it's just, uh, it's all centered around Adrian. You know, I mean, it's, it's his scrambles this year have gotten us out of all kinds of trouble. <laughs> and he's been, you know, he's getting bumped and tripped and, you know, dudes are getting arms on him and he's able to kind of shake it off and, and skirt out for 30 or 40 yards sometimes to get all these first downs. So, I mean, I, I, I would be more concerned about those scramble plays than anything. So I'd have to have play some kind of defense where my, my linebackers have eyes on the quarterback, you know, not a whole lot of man, not a whole lot of man pressures because I need to have somebody watching him. And then, but the other problem is who's, who's going to be on it. Right, unless I got a Micah Parsons at middle linebacker, my my guy's not going to catch him. So I, you know, that's that's what I worry about when I play him, and that's that's most of the country. Anytime you got a, a guy back there who can scoot around, that's they're going to hurt you. But that's what our game plan for first and foremost. That's that's the Belichick, you know, take away their best guy. I'm going to have to take away his legs and make him beat me with his arm and make the O line beat me running the ball. Last one for you here before we let you go, Bando. Uh, 2016 Josh Banderas, is he able to run down 2021 Adrian Martinez? No, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Oh, man, no, he can it is, the, the fun part about it is it doesn't look like he's moving that fast. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like, like a Taylor Martinez, he looks fast. As soon yeah. as he took a step out of the pocket, he was gone, man, especially that game against K State. Mm-hmm. I mean, gone. But, but, Adrian, he just kind of—it's like a smooth, long stride, and it's like how's that guy not catching him? And he ends up going for fifty or sixty, so it's fun to watch. But yeah, oh no, he's leaving me in the dust for sure. <laughs> okay. I don't got enough pride to, to say I'd catch him. 
Got, got to respect the honesty, I guess. There you go. Well, uh, yeah. Co- Coach Bando going to be uh, coaching the Beavers tonight. You guys are hosting Washington out there in Corvallis. Good luck tonight. Thanks a lot for joining the show. Uh, we appreciate having you back, and we'll do it again soon, okay? That sounds good, Cole. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, that's Josh Banderas uh, joining the show. And he mentions the guy that was uh, running special teams in 2013, Caleb. Ross Ells. Yep. If if folks out there don't know already, who who's Michigan State special teams coordinator that that beat Nebraska with that return last week? Oh, you maybe heard of him. Yeah. Ross Ells. Man, yeah. just insult to injury. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think that that's that that tie was there. Uh, that tie to to Nebraska football past and yeah, sure enough, Ross Ells is the guy that that beat Nebraska late with that that two two guys back and. Faking on the right, catching on the left in stride, and nobody to beat. You know what would be really fun? Let's not do it today, but at some point, let's go all former Nebraska football coaches, head coaches, and assistants over the last 20 years and build our perfect Frankenstein staff. staff. Write that down. That's a summer project. That's a summer show. Dibs on Callahan for O-line. Well, yeah. (laughs) Dibs on Ross Ells for special teams. Okay. (laughs) All right. We do have solutions for Nebraska football. What's ailing them? Uh, We're going to run those down soon. Uh, Volleyball and Husker hoops to get to as well. More to come here. KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. Thanks to Josh Banderas. Joined us in our last (laughs) segment. Out there in Corvallis, grad assistant for the Beavers. Uh, If you missed that or anything else, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com or you can see us... uh, Live right now or any of the shows from the previous weeks on our Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. Uh, those are always there for your entertainment. All right, let's let, let's dig into a little bit of this before we hit some volleyball and hoops. Nebraska's got some issues. They're two and three. Mm-hmm. They they could stand to have some improvement in some spots. Uh, I I've got some some places where where we can fix some things, and I I I wanted to go over because. That look, we're we're in the business of you know, we're going to talk about things that are going on, whether they're good or bad. And a lot of times, if they're bad, we come off as just, hey, we're we're dudes who are not playing and we're just complaining about it. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk a little bit about not only the things that are issues, but how Nebraska can fix them. If they do some different things, then maybe it leads to some more success. So I want to start in the obvious place, and that's special teams. Okay, I've got a few of these. Because there are a few issues on special teams, but I'm going to start with punt return. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see another punt return situation where Nebraska's got like a majority of the field to cover. Like we've got somebody, you know, they went three and out on their own 34 yard line and they have to kick it away. Give me two guys back. I don't want to see one guy have to try to find the ball and can't get to the ball and the ball bounces 25 yards more. And that net punting just skyrockets for the opponent. Put two guys back deep and make sure that somebody is there to catch the ball. Even if you don't have a situation where you can return it. You know, I the coverage, the blocking up front, like gunners getting free, that's been an issue for years. Just catch the ball. Let's start there and then we'll move on to graduate to, to, to bigger and better things. But just give me somebody who can catch the ball. 
two of them if you've got a lot of room to cover so you don't have those balls bouncing for 20, 20 or 25 yards again. Well, you did have, um, Frost said he'd consider that. And um, actually, if you pull me up um, real quick, I had uh, I asked Dawson just his general philosophy on punt return, where, where to catch the ball, maybe where to not catch the ball. What, what is the philosophy on fielding the punts? Yeah, the general philosophy on punt return is catch catch the ball. I did a good job of containing myself right there. Uh, <laughs> you got to catch the ball, right? And, um, you know, uh, the ball has to be caught. It has to be caught cleanly. Uh, we can't have it bounce and then bounce off the face mask. We can't have it be short and then, uh, you know, not, um, you know, uh, make the return team aware that the ball's coming down. And then we got to catch it. If it's over your head, you got to sprint back to catch it. You know, obviously not on the freaking, uh, you know, inside of the five-yard line, but <laughs> giving himself a pat on the back for not swearing at that moment. Oh man, just a gem. All of us right there were kind of like looking at each other, big eyed. Like, did we almost get a really, really good soundbite? That was real, <laughs> real close to a good sound. I mean, it was a good soundbite anyway. But, but, but that's yeah. that's him talking to us. So you know right. what those conversations are behind closed doors, where you don't have to censor yourself. You know, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that this last week Frost said it after the game. He thinks gave up three hundred yards of. <laughs> just free yardage, yeah. just without having to do anything. Um, if you you have you're losing the field position battle simply by not not touching the football. Yeah. Not you're being afraid to just go grab the football and save yourself ten yards every time, yep. even just ten yards, let alone the thirty yard rolls. Yep. All right, so that's one. You got a solution for me? What 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 do you got? I mean, I like the putting the two guys back um, because you can split the field a little bit. You you can do a few less things. ground to cover. Yeah, less ground to cover. Um, I know a lot of people were pointing back to the the Osborne stuff and saying, "Well, there was two guys back at times, so that you were just always catching the ball." I get that. I just want to find a guy. It's kind of like looking at the running back room. Mm. Just find a guy who says, "I'm going to be the punt returner." It doesn't have to be someone who's going to even return any for a touchdown. Just get, give me a Jordan Westerkamp back there. Mm-hmm. A guy who's, what was his career-long return? Like maybe 20 yards or something? Like It, it wasn't anything special, but you know what he was going to do? He was going to go catch the dang ball wherever he was on the field. Yeah. If there was a chance for him to get his hands on the ball, he was going to go catch it. It was going to be a fair catch, and you could, you could count on him at all times. Yeah. At the very least, get that guy back there who can say, wherever this ball is kicked, I'm catching it, the play is done, I'm getting it to the ref. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a turnover, there's not going to be a disaster. Right. And right now, Nebraska, at least from what we've seen them using guys back there, they don't have that guy. How do you identify that guy? I have no idea. But at the very least, I want that back there, which is, I mean, it's along the same lines of you, you putting two guys back, mm-hmm. is someone catches the ball and it doesn't roll 30 yards. Yeah. That'd be a start. While we're on special teams, um, I don't want to see another kickoff return this season, period. Right. Just fair catch the thing. I don't care if they're kicking off from the 20 because apparently we can't get back to the 25 on those situations either. That that may have been. (laughs) That just broke me. So the punt return was frustrating. Yes. Like giving up the punt return. But for the Michigan pe- State celebrates and they get a penalty. Yeah, for for the the ensuing kickoff to be backed up and then. You end up in worse field position because of it. 18-yard line. <sighs> Ramir Johnson can't handle the, the, the 
kickoff because the guy bombs it. And there hasn't been a good kickoff return. No. There have I, been like I think zero got, good kickoff returns. They may they may have gotten across the twenty five like against Fordham or Buffalo. But that's it. Like that's it, 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 so I don't want to see another kickoff return this year. I I just don't want to see it. And, I, pa- and part of that is the return guy identifying a right, lane. Right. The other part of that is the rest of the return team creating a lane mm. somewhere. And no, you're you're missing it on both ends. You've had five games to show me that you have that capability. And if you don't have it yet, I don't think it's going to materialize out of nowhere. So just put that on ice. We'll work on that in the off season. See if you can get a different guy to to return those. Work on your blocking schemes in the off season as well. Within the NCAA rules, of course, <laughs> and then figure it out for 2022. Okay, um, I want. I let's go to the offense. Um, I'm not trying to compare Adrian Martinez to Patrick Mahomes here. Yeah, don't mistake that. Uh, but they 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 are your two most watched quarterbacks. They are. Are you sure? Yeah, they are. And they might they be. Are. Yeah. Uh, but the offensive line has to be at least serviceable for either of those guys to do stuff mm-hmm. consistently. Adrian can create even without an offensive line, and you've seen that for this year. He has been creating, and the offensive line has been been skeptical uh, to to bad. And the Super Bowl last year, not sure if you saw that, but that was difficult for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, what quarterbacks need offensive line play to be at least competent. And so, if you don't have that, here's what I want to see to fix it. Number one, you got two home games in a row here. Let's see if you can get a different guy in there. Uh, maybe you see a little bit of Nora Denuili, uh at either left guard or right tackle. That's a spoiler for today. I do think we see um, multiple different guys today. Maybe you see uh, Brant Banks getting a start. Maybe Brock Bando's healthy enough to start and play. Uh, I don't know that you're going to see Teddy Prohaska start on the offensive line at one of those positions, but you could see certainly a lot more of him with that 46 jersey kind of playing tight end. Mm-hmm. But I love that. That was something that I think is is in the right direction if you don't have the offensive line that you want. Get other guys who can help you out on the field. More tight ends to be in there to block, especially if it's a guy like Prohaska who's mm-hmm. a developing offensive lineman. Get more slants, more max protects. Go downfield. Just throw it up for a guy who's got single coverage you know, don't wait a long time for a route to develop. Just if you know that the safety's coming up to play the run and you got Xavier Betts or Omar Manning over here, they've got the size, throw it up to them once in a while. Yeah, you got a lot of big guys that you have not been throwing jump balls to. So if you do a little bit more of that, it's going to help the run, the, the pass game. Uh, it could help free up the run game if you hit one of those big plays as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, there, there's... There's so much potential that you've got with Adrian Martinez and the tight ends and the wide receivers, uh, and maybe even with the running backs, mm-hmm. catching balls out of the backfield. But it's so hard to see it when the offensive line play is so inconsistent. So I, I like the way that they've kind of gone with, with getting Teddy Prohaska involved in that Oklahoma game. I want to see more of that as we go through the rest of the season. So on the offensive line, yes, the pers- the personnel probably needs shaken up a little bit. But beyond that, what I want to see is move the pocket. Yeah. Because right now when you have just the straight drop backs, that's where Adrian is getting a whole lot of pressure and then he has to attempt to find a lane to escape. What I want is right off the snap, you move that pocket to the right. Yeah. Now granted, as soon as you're doing that, Martinez does not have as much space between him and the sideline and you're but, eliminating but, half the field. But what he does have is 
now he's out a little bit. There is more space. If someone's coming up behind him, that's a longer area for them to have to make up right. just to get to the quarterback. Martinez does throw pretty well outside of the pocket. Yeah, he's um, proven that. And here's the thing is, if Martinez gets outside of the pocket and you've got the linebacker, let's say he's going out to his right and that linebacker that's out there says, oh, they're moving this way, and he identifies that and comes at Martinez, blitzes yep. a little bit, you're going to have a drag route at some point yeah. going right there, and that just frees up all of that space. I want to see that pocket moved more, and I think that's going to help those offensive line guys because you're not just blocking immediately in front of you. You're saying, I'm getting to that space over there, mm-hmm. and you're putting the defense on the move too instead of them just coming right at you. Right. So I think that might be that's, – and that's on the coaching side of it, that yes. you can help out some of your guys that are maybe having issues by – putting them in a situation that might be more beneficial. Don't do it every single play, but mix it in enough that the defense has to has to be honest about where that pocket's going to be on the play. Yes, yes. No, I, I agree. That's that's definitely a way you can improve the way that the offense can operate. That's what I wanted to see in the final minute of the game last week. Yeah. Moving yeah. the pocket. Yeah, you could, and, or overtime even. Yeah, certainly. Uh, defense, uh, just keep it up. Just keep. Keep doing you you doing. do you guys. Yeah, you, um, you're good. Maybe maybe get a more a couple more takeaways. I guess that would help. But man, <laughs> you can't argue with 14 yards on 15 plays and a half. I should have been single digits. Well, certainly could have been. All right, <laughs> um, more volleyball and uh, Husker hoops, uh, and then uh, we'll get you ready for the week as well. That's coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. All aboard the Nebraska ball hype train, everybody. Oh, man, if you if you are not pumped up for this team, I don't know what else to tell you. Look, uh, if you've never heard the term FOMO, Fear of missing out. <laughs> that was me last night on uh, just looking through Twitter after I got the kids to bed and seeing what was going down at Pinnacle Bank Arena with Nebraska hoops and opening night. And uh, oh my goodness, Caleb, <laughs> tell me what we missed. Okay, first of all, I want to because both the men's and women's team scrimmage. Yes, I want to start with the women's team. Um, Alexis Markowski, the pious product. Guys, four years of her mm-hmm. in a Husker uniform is going to be special. She she just legacy too. Uh, yeah, legacy. Here. She just plays the game so well. Um, and there were some people saying maybe she's undersized as a big guy. She finds the ball inside so well. Loved watching um, Alexis in a Husker uniform yesterday. Sam Hybe still really really good. Mm-hmm. Annika Stewart, like she she's a big. She can go inside, but she's got range. Looks really really good. Um, and then the last one on this one. Um, well, maybe not the last one, but Whitney Brown, Grand Island Northwest. She reminds me of Thor. Just kind of that glue person out on the floor, and she's always in the right place, and she can knock down some shots and handle the ball a little bit. Um, one of them that wasn't there last night, Jazz Shelley, the Oregon transfer. Uh, she's currently playing in the FIBA Asia Cup with the Australian national team. Right, Australian national team. Um, now for the for the men's team, where you were seeing the hype train go off the rails. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> okay, let's just start with it. Kesey Tomanaga had the loudest cheer on the introductions. It edged out Bryce McGowan's. Wow. But it was as soon as you saw the the, the lights are all down and you see on the big uh, projector from Japan, the place is like, oh, this is our boy. And everyone got super excited. Kesey comes out. He's all reserved and everything. But the place went insane for him. Awesome. And then he starts playing. Yeah. Every time he lets go of the ball, the 
arena is ready to erupt. Take that. I cannot wait to see what that is like with an opponent that's not other Nebraska guys. Because Creighton. Oh, the play is going to go insane. Peru State for the exhibition is going to go insane. Are you kidding me? And he is worth the hype. I will say this: Tomanog is worth the hype. Not just being able to pull up from Scott's bluff on the uh, um, on the middle of the the, the gym floor, yeah. but he played lockdown defense on Alonzo Verge. So here's the thing: this is this is one that was really cool. So Tomanaga hits like a 25, 30 foot three mm-hmm. on one end, goes to the other end, and Verge gets him into a one on one off the top of the key. And Tomanaga is looking around, going, "Okay, I got no help," and he locks him down through crossover, 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 step back. Verge goes to get the shot. Tomanaga tips it, so like it's not even a clean shot. So he would have gotten credit for a block. Goes to the other end. They get the ball up to him. Drills a three. Place went insane. Oh Media's going insane. Tomanaga. And I put this in, in my uh, my story at KLIN.com. He might be the m- favorite Nebraska athlete, the most fan favorite Nebraska athlete, regardless of sport, right now. Like, people loved him. He's going to be so much fun to watch. Other guys, Bryce McGowan's the five-star, stupid athletic. Mm. Like, we, we didn't get to see a whole lot of, of what guys could do breaking down um, defenses or how they'll play on defense. Yeah. Um, because it was kind of run a little bit like an all-star game, yeah. which is fine. There's a lot of dunks, um, a lot of missed dunks, too. Bryce McGowan's is is all the hype, at least from an athletic side of the ball. And he was introduced last? Introduced I, I saw, right? last. Putting a freshman last. Man. That's the place of honor, what's, guys. What's Big Bro think of that? He was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm used to him yeah. getting all the favoritism. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. You know how that goes in families. Um, Pace, granted, again, they weren't really playing defense, but Pace just getting up and down. That looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Breidenbach, man, he's six foot ten. He can shoot the ball. He was in the uh, three point contest afterwards. You have the red rec specs going on. He's got on. the rec specs. Yes. Looks real good across there. Alonzo Verge Jr., um, although he got locked down by Tomanaga, um, and that's a player who played in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, Verge, his handles are so good. Um, he looks really, really good. Um, he he made Kobe Webster stumble back, and he hit a step back and hit a three right over him. There's three point shooting all over the place. Yep. Um, Oleg Oleg he's all kinds of seven foot tall. He he is going to cause some issues inside. I'm excited to see what this uh, um, what the bigs can do to hold off um, the Big Ten bigs yeah. because that's an issue that Nebraska's had the first couple years under Hoiberg. I think there's definite step in the right direction with the size, and there's just improvements across the board. The the one guy that I think is is maybe most impactful to Nebraska's chances to to win some games. You say Derek Walker? I'm going to say Derek Walker. He looked good. Of you. Look, he's look. He, he's he is a guy that only got to play about half the season last year. He has experience on teams that went to the NCAA tournament and won the SEC. Um, the last game uh, I did a write up for coronation. I didn't notice before this, but the last game that he played before he played for Nebraska last year was in an NCAA tournament second round victory over Iowa. Dude played on a team in a game that defeated Iowa and knocked them out of the dance. That'll play. He is king him for that. But no, look, he's going to play such a an important role in bringing Breedenbach and Koyanets and Eduardo Andre as well along in terms of playing defense in the Big Ten, playing defense in a power conference, where to position your mm-hmm. body, where to get your feet right, how to body somebody up. Obviously, Braden Bach and Koyanitz are going to need to play, uh, are going to need to, to to be in the weight room a little bit to to build their bodies up. 
Uh, Andre's still two, but he's had a year at least. But but but, but with their size alone, in, with their size yeah. alone, go get five to eight minutes a game. Yeah, that uh, you just have to spell Derek Walker at times. Yes, and and to have him for a whole season is going to be very exciting because. To be able to play guys like that with that size in the Big Ten, you have to see Purdue. You have to see Wisconsin. You have to see Ohio State, Michigan. Those guys are going to have legit bigs. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to bang down low with them, and, and Derek Walker is the guy who's going to help do that. Absolutely. All right, hype train. You're not slowing that down for me at all. Oh no! Holy we, crap! We have actually uh, we have stoked that fire. <laughs> Let's go! Goodness. All right. Uh, more volleyball and get you ready for the weekend next here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Getting you ready for the weekend. Uh, Husker volleyball just <laughs> stomped Michigan last night. Is Nebraska volleyball back? Lauren Stiverens is back. 3-0 and in the Big Ten. Stiverens is back. You dominate with a 25-14-15-13 sweep of the Wolverines who took Damn. Minnesota to five sets like a week ago. Um, listen, that changes this team. Mm-hmm. Lauren Stiverens being able to play changes this team, even if she plays one match a week. Yeah. Or, or just kind of sparingly. She gives you a couple sets here and there. Um, you don't want to just overload her right away. Right. But, man, to hit 733, 11 of 15. You don't think uh, those girls were hype playing with Stiverance? Oh, I, the arena was hype. Yes. You, you want to talk about a place that was just ready to explode every single time. In her first kill, coming back, Stiverance slide. Yeah. Um, so they will get Michigan State. Stiverance slide. The Stiverance slide. Oh, kaboom. <laughs> the crowd's going insane in here. Get out your red long johns. Oh um, so you've got uh, just beat Michigan. You're going to continue the Michigan to Nebraska road swing, I think is the way that's going to go. Yeah. Um, so Huskers host Michigan State tomorrow. 2.30 pregame, 3 o'clock first serve. That's over on our sister station, B1073. But today which we've spent most of the day talking about. You've got homecoming game, Nebraska, Northwestern, 2.30 pregame today, 6.30 kickoff. You're going to get all the fun homecoming stuff. Some guys honored. There was the, the Hall of Fame induction yesterday, yes. too, too, real quick, Cole. Jordan Larson, Eric Crouch, Terry Pettit, Martise Ivey, Sam Francis. Sam Francis, the dude 1930s. of 1930s. Yeah, look, oh. at, look his stuff up. It's insane. Hey, uh, next week it's a 6.30 kickoff as well. Michigan has yet to turn the ball over this year. What do they do against the Black Shirts? They turn it over three times, calling it now. Wow, okay. And hey, uh, this has nothing to do with sports, but before next show, I will have seen the next James Bond movie. Got tickets for Friday night at IMAX in Omaha for No Time to Die. I am pumped. Thanks for not supporting local. I am pumped. They don't have IMAX in Lincoln. Give me an IMAX in Lincoln and I'll support local. All right. It's like getting Cool Crest to Lincoln. Yeah. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Get your shot. Wear a mask. And go Big Red.